Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. is we come ready you guys business so if you missed last night's broadcast from dr paula price host of this show actually the jesus and paula show the paula price show it's his show it's his world show then you need to get caught up after we're done broadcasting today go back and watch last night's post-election pop-up is what we called it dr price went all the way in did she go in? I think she went all the way through, actually, the subject of where we are, what we face, taking the lead. If you have not registered for our Apostolic Summit, which is this month, we're in November. I was standing in the break room this morning and looking at the calendar and seeing how many days we don't have <laughs> until this event happens. I was like, wow, that was so fast. That was so incredibly fast as to how we got here. And so, uh, but the summit, go to www.drpaulaaprice.com, click on events, or you go to drpaulaaprice.com slash event, and you can see what we have. We have extended the buy one, get one, and so you can still come buy one, get one. I think it's buy one, get one half off or something like that. We have a couple of different things happening at our event. We have the Dignitaries Dinner, which is Wednesday evening. Dress code is formal gala because it's also the king's ball and so we will be stepping out in our royalty for the lord keynote speaker sit down dinner as well as some entertainment and ministry moments happening throughout the evening now our dress code is that of a holy nature holy does not mean boring holy does not mean ugly holy means you're covered and you're not skin tight because you can be covered and look like you're walking around in a vacuum-packed dress. And somebody just sealed you in. And it's going to take the jaws of life to get you out of. And so we, have, we love creativity. We love beauty. We love things flowing. My dress is sparkly. Oh, it's sparkling. It is black and gold sequins. Hello. When I saw it online, I saw such a price. Yes, this is my dress. And right now the tailor is taking like six inches off the bottom, but that's fine. And so it is. But I had to have it cinched up a little bit, make sure everything was scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, compliant. All right? You have to make the king happy. You cannot offend the Lord at his own event. Wouldn't that be nice? And so we have that. And then Thursday through Saturday morning is the rest of our event, the summit, where we are, what we say, taking the lead. I'm telling you what, uh, we are taking this on head on. And so let me actually pull up the subject matter that we'll be addressing because it's very important for you to understand, we're not just talking heads. We've never been a talking heads ministry, just saying things. Sorry, somebody got a bell. You're fired. Oh, I was like, well, it's not bell time. <laughs> it's not bell time. There's an amen. There's an amen choir in the room right now. And so, uh, 
And we have Apostle Howard Hatcher, who was a guest on the Paula Price Show earlier this year. That was just earlier this year. My God, we have lived so much this year. It felt like it was two years ago. It was this year. He and Dr. Price got along like a house on fire. You two were like, when? Everybody said, when? Is he going to be back on the show? Well, before he's back on the show, he's going to be at the event. And some of him, he is going to be addressing at our dignitary dinner, reforming the black consciousness concerning law enforcement and why it is vital today. Dignitarian Center is about addressing issues that impact the kingdom and not just the church. And so uh, throughout this year, we have been talking about, of course, police reform is always on the table when something happens, but also civil community reform. Our job as a population and what we need to do to reform. Because when you put the onus only on one side to make change, the implication is that the other side is always right, that there's no room for improvement. Well, the citizens are always the victim, and that's just not true. I mean, statistics, come on, our criminals, our, our statistics on crime show that that's not true. There's conditioning in communities that need to be addressed, old ways of thinking that aren't relevant, new ways of thinking that are old ways of thinking that are relevant, but how do they fit today? So we're going to be breaking that open. Dr. Price's overall theme that she'll be teaching on now Thursday is Dr. Paula Price Day at the event. If your dream is to come and listen to her unload just a payload of information that's going to take you three years to chew through, not really, well, maybe, sure, then that's what you want to do. Thursday, day sessions, all day, is Dr. Price, and she's breaking open. It's time to take our seat and occupy our stations in God, because that's what time of day it is. And then in the evening, Thursday evening, she has the State of the Kingdom address. And I tell you what, what a state we're in. I mean, if ever there was a year to be at the State of the Kingdom address, it's that year. And then Apostle Stephen Holt, who is also a guest, he's preached in our church, he's on the Near Council, he's speaking on restoring the dignity of the black race for world politics. His response, oh my. <laughs> That's your topic, oh my, yes it is. Janice Pond will be joining us as well. You know, all the highlighted people, and yes, a lot of them who have been on the show this year are at the summit, and she's speaking on setting the record straight for black America. She is a Tulsa resident, so we're having some Tulsa fam in the house with us. And then I'll be teaching on apostling this generation for church recovery because we have some things to recover. Acts 26, 18, we just can't get out of that because, well, there's still a devil. There's still Jesus. There's still people. The players haven't changed. The generations may have changed, but the players have not. And so that's what we're going to be addressing. We want to invite you to register. You do not want to miss. This is the year that you want to be a part of what God is doing. How many times have people said, well, where, where is God? Well, who's saying what he's saying? Who's bold? Who's out there? Who's not afraid to, to just say it and just tell it like it is? We, right here, right here. New Era Apostleship Restitution, Dr. Paul Price and company, companies and people. We're not afraid to say what God is actually saying, no matter what the blowback is, no matter what opinionations are. So last night's broadcast, she broke open. Oh, my. Like I said, she went through it, not just to it. She, did, she came all the way through this issue of the election, but she talked about the church's responsibility, God being hot with his, his body, 
not caring about what's happening with him in his kingdom, in his nation, in this world, but, of course, brought it all into the election and where we are with this election in reference to the word of God. You know, it's very easy to speak your opinion based on your feelings. And sometimes you don't realize you are speaking your feelings because you can't throw some scripture around pretty much anything you believe, if you know the word enough. But to be able to hone in on God's issues is different from your feelings. We all have feelings about everything under the sun. But our job at this level is to communicate God's to Now, ideally, when you're in our seat, you agree with the Lord. So it's not like, well, my opinion doesn't matter, even though my opinion doesn't matter. This is what God says, and they may be implying that you disagree. And so it really helps when you agree with the word of the Lord, especially if you are sitting in these kind of seats, if you're apostolic Christian, if you are the elect, the apocalyptic elect, then we need to be in agreement with what God is saying and what he is doing, no matter how it feels. And so last night she, she broke down so many biblical references and connections to where we are right now. We have really brought down who we agree with to if they are offensive or not, and all these things that have nothing to do with are we preserving the kingdom of God. I think it is sad how many Christians I have heard say, and ministers that I have heard say, that these issues about abortion, homosexuality, and all these things that we, we really have not made a huge deal in previous elections, well, how that's not enough. That's not enough. That's not enough reason to vote for somebody. Uh, when we're talking about somebody who is putting laws in place to preserve the church, well, that, that's really not, these are ministers saying, that's really not enough to determine who to vote for. I thought, oh, yeah, we really have lost sight of how all of this works. But God raised me a few, she made so many. But the few statements I'm going to reference right now, off the top of my head, when she said it's the judges that make the laws that govern the land. Presidents come, presidents go, and they do. But presidents appoint those judges. And those judges are the things that we're living with. And how, who'd you say, Jeremiah was not a church prophet? Jeremiah was not a church prophet. We are bringing church prophetic and church apostleship down to employing it. I mean, I've seen posts with leaders chastising other leaders. How dare you get involved with this political thing? How dare you use your seat? You need to be thinking about the church and not the nation. You need to be. I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have a nation under God. That we don't have a church under God. You need to study communism. You need to study China. You need to study these places and how the government determines how and what you serve and what you can and cannot say. The very people who are telling us, and and I mean straight up telling people, and I look at some of these posts, I'm thinking, first of all, you're not worth a fight because you believe you're as convicted on your beliefs as I am on mine. And I know nobody's changing my mind. I know nobody's changing my mind. And if you know nobody's changing yours, and I look at that, and I'm like, see, you are the reason we're in this mess right now. And people with that mentality, that's the last place we should be in. And how dare you say who is and is not going to hell based on their belief system. You're so right. We're using the word of God. Who said it? Pastor Sharon Doherty's son, Pastor Paul, in victory. <laughs> Here it goes, and it was a post. He said on Sunday, Dr. Price, he said, 
If you have a problem with what I'm preaching, email the Bible. Because that is what I will be preaching today. The word of God. I think all oh, Pastor Paul is saying, say that thing and lay it down. So if you have a problem with this gospel that I'm preaching, send it to the word of God. Because when we're not using the word, that's when you should be concerned. But some of the things and, and conversations and discussions that I have gotten into, I'm thinking this is a very scary place to be in where what you believe is subject to what you feel is important. And when I get into these engagements with people and conversations, I ask them, where is your opinion founded in Scripture? Don't give me statistics without giving me the word. Well, you know, this and this and that. But what does God say on the subject? And I mean all the way through. Because if you're going to take a stance that's going to sway and influence people's decisions, then you better do all of your homework. Don't tell me what this verse says. Tell me what God's entire line of thinking is on this. The word of God is his line of thought on all these matters. What do you think? Well, here he said this, and here he said that, and this, and then, and on and on and on. Oh, this is the whole picture. And not just my preference based on personality. I just don't like the guy. Well, you work for people you don't like. I don't see you quitting your job. I don't see you moving to have your boss fired because you don't like him. Then, well, if he's, well, you know, hey, as long as I got that paycheck every week, it's all I care about. And we got in the mess we got in before with the previous administration, not asking questions. I'm going to bring change. Well, we had change, didn't we? We had change. And you know what? A lot of people who call themselves Christians liked that change. They liked it. They liked the worldliness, the carnality, the other gods moving in. Very scary thing to see the state of where we are right now. But I tell you what, where we are, what we face, taking the lead. When you take the lead, when you're out front, that means you have got to be ready to take hits. When you're, when, hey, come on, we, we, we go on road trips, front of your car, what is it, full of bugs. Hit everything, did you like this, every bug on the highway find my car? And that thing just crustifies. I mean, because you're flying, well, depending on if I'm driving. <laughs> We're going to get there fast, quick, and in a hurry. <laughs> All right? It's a 10-hour shift. Oh, I'm sure we can do it at night. I'm sure of it. Highway? Oh, yeah, we can We can get there. Just get a lane with the track trailers and just ride with them. Come on, let's go. <laughs> but the point is this. The point <laughs> Uh-oh, I've been bailed. Uh, but the point is, when you are a leader, a thought leader, a leader of a pack of people, a leader of students, just a leader in general, you are out there. You have to be ready to take the brunt of the hit, the brunt of the opposition. So you have to know what you believe in and why. And if you have what it takes to stand. I mean, at this year's summit, I'm sure we're going to be talking about what it took to stand and withstand this year. And we're not even out of the year yet. My God, this is a hard reset. And we're still resetting. We think a reset is a moment, like the television. You just push that button and wait for it to reboot. My little Amazon Prime thing, but the Internet just, okay, let me unplug, count to 15. Plug it back in and watch it. Oh, look at the pretty little things that dance across the screen, and it's rebooting, rebooting. Re- a reboot and a reset are not the same thing. So we think that we're just being rebooted. But as we've been teaching, this is a hard reset. We are setting this back. We are putting it back to its original 
order, putting it back to its original alignment, putting it back to its original programming. And deprogramming something can take a minute. We were talking about uh, just dealing with changing children's habits and routines and things that they've been groomed to do for a lot of years, and then they're in a new environment, and you have to reset that. You have to retrain it. And you know what it takes? It takes a dogmatic belligerence on your part. No. Sit. If you're training an unruly pet, sit. And then you walk up, sit. And so what happens is you have to be disciplined in order to discipline. Whenever you take your pets to obedience school, they also have to train the owners. Because what we want to do is just send the pet, let you do it, and come home. And this is how we are in the body of Christ. Just let God do it. Let the, the, it's not the leader's responsibility. It's not anybody. But in order to be the, the person who trains, who leads, who changes, you yourself have to be the most disciplined in what you want other people to do. Because you have to have an instinct for when that thing is shifted, when it's changed, when it slides off, when it's not on point. Working with this apostle right here who will be on screen momentarily, I'm just going to put my hand right here. You will find out how off point you are by working for somebody like her. Everything that is off, she catches. But the curtain is off, but the shade is off, but the coaster is off, but the picture. But you are. Okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And, she, and you can't see it's off because you're leaning. And so it looks straight to you because you're cooking. Okay? You know, like in this building we're in, it's settled. And so the floor in certain places is uneven. So right now the camera tripod is actually crooked because the floor over here is this way, or this way, whichever way it is. And so when we hang things on the wall, we like, do we angle it to the wall or do we angle it to the floor? Because when we set it up, we have to do all of these adjustments for inaccuracy. And as leaders and working with a chief like this, CEOs are CEOs for a reason, especially the successful ones, not the ones just entitled. You're like, what are you, the chief of besides yourself? And sometimes you start out with just you. It depends on where you are in the vision. So I'm not going to knock that because small beginnings is in there for a reason. <laughs> it is. But can you be chief of you before bringing in other people? And as we address where we are, what we face, taking the lead at this year's near summit, I'm telling you, make it your business to be there. If you're in Tulsa, if you're in the congregation of the mighty, I need you to be there. If you are like, hey, I can drive, be here. This is the time. We do not broadcast this event. We are not going live unless God leads us to. Now, we're not going to stop, obviously, what the Lord says. But most times, maybe I'll go live, praise and worship. One time, everybody's like, oh, I wish I was there. You could have been. <laughs> you could have been. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> when in these, in these COVID whatever times, get in your car, you can get on a plane strapped down with 16 masks and get here. <laughs> All right. Whatever rent a car we did, it was great. It was actually very relaxing to be on the highway and to just be in a ride and not have to deal with all that oppression that's happening. Either way, we made it happen to get to where God needed us to be. Nine hours each way. Um, and almost a turnaround trip. And we did it. And so we are taking the lead. If you know you are called to be a part of the leadership of what God is doing, 
whether that is in an official capacity or coming alongside those who are. This is the time to not miss God again. Jesus. For some of you, it's again. Some have been coming for X and I know, I know, I know. Every year something comes up because every year something comes up. But we're going to be in our new location. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> you all didn't know that, but we are. Yeah. We're moving oh, yeah, it. Yeah, they, they don't know that, yeah. Yeah, we can't tell you yet. We'll tell you Sunday. We'll, we'll tell you. Okay, yeah. she's going to tell you before then because you can already tell. She's not trying to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> she is so not trying. Look at her nose. <laughs> All I'm going to say is we're having an event and we're moving at the same time. So I'm going to say about that. At least half of us moving. Half of us. Church half is moving. Church half is moving. Yes. So you all get geared up. Don't tell us after the event. You're tired. You, you stood on your... I don't even want to hear it. That you need sleep. You're don't right? even... And, and I am as particular as she said. Yes. I am. That's why we... That don't like in the room. I'm like, I am that. Because you cannot tell me that Jesus is the most excellent God and then you're going to sit there and show all of the other fallen gods in his bed. No, we're going to fix this. We're going to we got to do that. And I'm extremely good at my people. See, I'm ahead of the curve on y'all. Um, please explain. So, she always wants to. You know, I want the same to be up in a clear. I want them to be clear. I our programs here have layers to make sure that God is not embarrassed oh, and that God is not ashamed. So people think that it's a thing of mine. No. I know this man. I've had opportunity to watch God's angels. They don't play with him. I know we got the little cuddly, fuzzy, the downtown, they cut it. That's not what stands in, in the top. No, no, no. That's not what stands in God. That can't hold up our kingdom. And so I, we have layers and layers to make sure God is not ashamed, but that he, he's not forced into a failure that he shouldn't have. Like this election, church is it. Because it had no parameters. Everybody was doing what's right in their own eyes. We in the judges. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing all, see, all of this here, the other judges. And so wow. I, our, my, my system is based on me. People often think, and I, I'm sure you can bear witness, that I am a different person off camera or out of the pulpit. How many of you know that's not so? I am really the literal constitution of that which God has given me to do and that which which God has given me to establish for him. I constitutionally am made of it. Because when you're a leader, you're a leader within first. Oh, good. So if you are not a leader within, then forbid it. You're, you're not a leader outside. And so I do a whole lot of leadership. Our program requires a lot of leadership, but it also has a lot of assessment and a lot of analysis. Because Christians don't like to be assessed. Christians are like, I'm accepted in Jesus. You're accepted for the afterlife. Let's deal with you in this one. <laughs> so let's get that clean. In the afterlife, we're going to bring you on home, and they're going to scrub you every step of the way. But right now, in this here life, you know, and Paul makes that distinction when you read the thing. So I'm, he, the Bible is full of criteria. I didn't know that until God moved me into this area. The Bible is full, replete with criteria. Pick seven men who bop, bop, bop. Pick those who bop, bop, bop. Gideon. Let's talk about Gideon. Okay. Everybody who laughed. Okay. So we, everything. God has criteria. And they're criteria based on humanity, not culture, 
not environment, climate, humanity, because ultimately everything a person is, they have to be made back from the inside out. That's not something we, we do. We actually affirm people from the outside in. Boy, yeah, that word was really, I mean, my heart burned within me. People heart burns for a lot of reasons, okay? And so when I developed my program, which is what has been so difficult for me to push forward because of, of the bad doctrine that says that everybody got a ministry. We all have a ministry, and some of our ministry might be just to pick up bugs. It's a ministry. Sweep up. It's a ministry. But that doesn't mean that all ministry is lateral. Mm -hmm. And that's what we treat. We treat that anybody with any call is considered a minister and high power. And and to be honest with you, there was a difference between the Levites, the ministers, and the priests, the officers. God, and the criteria for days, for days. One of the things that God, he has two things that he raised me on that talks about high, um, you know, his officials. The first thing is that God's official must be able to distinguish. Discernment is high. A leader who can't discern follower, leader stuff, compliance, non-compliance, threats versus safety and safeguards, that person is not a leader. God, God raised this entire thing up because he has an officer. And an adversary who has an institution, who has a world and a realm that is contradictory to his own. You do not need leaders the way he's using them now on earth if you only have one source, one group. When when options come into play, you need leaders. When choices and alternatives come into effect, you need leaders because people are not going to come into one mind on anything without leadership. They're going to fight. They're going to argue. They're going to stand off. They're going to riot. They're going to protest. They're going to do everything because everybody is seeking their own. In order to be a leader, you've got to put yours down to pick up the things that, that you're representing. And that didn't happen. That's why you have pastors preaching their heart and not the heart of Christ. They are leaders of their own selves, their own egos. They're not leaders of Christ. So they're actually, what Paul said, drawing away disciples after themselves. That's what they're doing. So this is my opinion. This is how I see it. As a matter of fact, Satan trained us really well to not, I want you to hear me, to not use Jesus as a plumb line, as a standard, as an anchor, as an option. It's about your opinion versus my opinion. Right. We'll agree to disagree. Yeah. Well, one of us is for Jesus, another one is not. So one of us is agreeing with Jesus and someone else is agreeing with his adversary. Because right. God is one person. You can play with this Bible in terms of writing and mixing and ma- matching and whatever, but when the, when the person, like people do that with me, they will tell, use my book, you know, edit, excerpt, read that, change, until I stand there. As a matter of fact, I make them look very bad when I stand there and teach my work because my mantle is on my work, my work, and I wrote it, so I'm the author. So I have the authority because I authored this work. So I can fill in the blanks. See, they fill in the blanks with what they agree with. I fill in the blanks with what I wrote. 
and I fill in the blanks, and I also fill in the blanks with things that I left out, that I purposely left out so yes. that I can talk it yes. instead of putting it in the book and have someone just walk it in your kind of way. So why do I go that, that route? So when I have a leader or when I put, put somebody in power, I'm always checking to see what that position is doing to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll say, this office isn't wearing well on you. It's wearing you down. You're not wearing it. It's wearing you down. It's killing you. How many times have I had that conversation? Sure. So we have probation on purpose to see what the pressures of the office will do to you before it becomes detrimental to us. So when we put you in position, like we have monthly leadership classes. This, this last Sunday we have leadership class, and I teach my leaders. I sit down with my leaders. How many of y'all know that? Because yeah. a number of you are in that class. And I sit down and walk this thing called leadership because leadership is supposed to represent an institution, yeah. not an individual. Yeah. Oh, it's good. See, you are a leader if you're representing an institution who wants to get something done through people. The number one thing a leader will do, whether that's deliberate or not, is a leader will cause people to surrender their natural will, wants, and ways to a bigger project, to something bigger than themselves. Petty leaders is all about themselves. The Democrats are petty leaders. It's all about them. They are the most petty people we've ever seen. If you're looking for maturity, don't go there. Get out the D. Stop at the C. Or hop on down to those R. I mean, petty. Everything that they have used to win these elections has been petty, which means that they have educated and, and indoctrinated the population to pettiness, to childishness, to immaturity. I mean, we're being bullied like we're in, we in the school field. They are bullying us like we're in the school field. Because something told them humanity is stupid. Voters are ignorant. And we exist to make it happen. But when you read, because I've been reading, when you read Primordial Enoch, they say the Anu and Anana, those ancient deities, say the exact same thing about humanity today. The exact same phrase. They're stupid. Because devils can't change. And why do they have to change? It keeps working. They get a new, fresh generation and make it work. Yes. By the time the old generation gets it, they're too old to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So I pay attention with my, when she says, I'm, I pay attention to how you respond in your position, but also how the position affects you. Makes you tired. Every time you turn around, you've got to go to sleep. It's killing you. It's sapping, it is, it's sapping your strength. Speak on it. Is that true? It is true. Because when you are called to something, it invigorates you. Yes, right. It energizes you. You can't do enough. You can't read enough. You don't need a lot. That's why you're a leader. You were chosen because you don't need a lot of instruction. You don't need a lot of God. You're self-motivated. You are self-initiated. Is anybody hearing me? So every time you turn around, nobody told me. Well, nobody told me. Well, I was waiting. Nobody said anything. If you're if you're waiting as a leader, you're a follower, because you need a leader to tell you what to do. (laughs) (laughs) See, the church doesn't have leaders; it has front runners. Ah, my God! And it has front running icons. 
Because everything about what the church defines as leadership, and I'm saying the t- taking the present state of affairs and assessing it, is iconic. So we have iconic leadership, not infective or effective leadership. It's iconic. So everything's he's big. He got so and so many thousands of people all going to hell. Satan is huge. You understand? Satan is huge. Because if he was small, he wouldn't be effective. Satan is huge. That doesn't make him right. He's just huge. As a matter of fact, he's huge in his devilishness. He's huge in his destruction. He's huge in his perversions. He's huge in his debilitation of society. He's huge. And Satan has got to be good at it because God mandated that he is good at it. Because when you when God put you at the top, you're good. Even devil. And devil Satan has to be good. Now I know that you all don't think that that makes sense because y'all got that pastoral doctrine, Jesus is love. And you got some of these, some of these pastors went so far and say you gotta love the devil. Why? If I love him, it's a waste. He doesn't have anything to love back. It's a waste to love him. Oh no, they have real doctrine out there. In the end, God gonna save the devil. Why? The devil was not tempted to fall. He exercised an option. He was not tempted. That's why he, God doesn't give aid to angels. Oh come on. He said he doesn't give angels. Aid to angels, but he gives it to the children of Abraham. Why? Because Satan invented sin. He invented death, doom. Now, God always had it, but he invented it as a constitutional thing that passes on to everything he touches. But he's got to be good. Why does he have to be good? Because his job is to show God and to not say not even to show God, but to show God's eternal population that resisted Satan and stayed in heaven and stayed on God's side. Satan's job is to differentiate those who with God and those who are not. His job is to deceive. And so God will I want you to know God comes down on him for being weak and sloppy and what he does. I told you, you to see to it that nothing like you ever gets into my presence again. That was his job. That's why he. Is, that's why God keeps him on the payroll. When God's done, he goes back into his little holding prison and, until he needs him again and brings him out on work release. So when you, so if we have to have criteria, so we'll know what is God and what is not. We have to be able to judge fruit. That we must be able to distinguish, that separate, distinguish, it discriminate, set apart, sift. The fact that we have all these Christians who cannot separate what is God from what is Satan tells me that they're not Christians, those churches. Mm-hmm. You are, you've been in the church so long, you forgot the church was founded by a man named Jesus. So you're following the church. You know, and I had a wonderful woman last night, and I love her because she handled it very well, but a wonderful woman last night wrote me, she said, well, I don't like either one of these uh, these um, people, these men, Biden or whatever, and you know, I could have gone, what we're doing, I said, but you like Jesus. I said, but you love Jesus, and this is his fight. So you don't have to like the warrior he chooses, but you should back the war so that he doesn't lose. Oh, yeah. Because this 
this warrior is going to pass away. But what you lose will stand for decades. Oh, I don't know where it is. Okay, I got a flap. Okay. I think you need to get your own flap car. Are you going to let me flap something? No. See? He said no. No. I gave you a bell. Look at you. Okay. So understand. See, that's why I said on my broadcast last night, if you're a real sovereign, you're for the entity. Right. Yeah, yeah. The individual cannot move you from the entity. The founder, the one who's warring, these people are for, that's why I said it's iconic, charismatic, iconic. So they're, everything's an icon. So I like this person. I like what Trump did, they're talking about when in the debate, when Biden went into that old um, preconditioned political stance, standing in the thing, you can believe this face. And Trump called him out on it. He said, you see that? That's what got y'all in there. So we have, we are not, this is not, a, Donald Trump is going to be in there four years. That's it. But Donald Trump spent the first three years dealing with what Obama put in there. See, sovereigns have sense. Sovereigns have instincts and acuity. And so, as I said last night, we should have been sovereign, and you got Christians voting as subject. Subject to the laws of this world. Subject to the devils. Subject to, subject to, subject to. Because sovereigns have subjects. I think somebody is hearing what I'm saying. So when we talk about um, you know, what, what God is using, you are a leader first. We have a course. Of, one of the early courses I have in leadership is let's find out who your first, where your first leadership is. You are the first person you lead. Right. How you lead your life is the template you bring to how you lead people. So, you know, there used to be a time that if someone was going to promote you into leadership, they checked your life. And even somewhat now, but not as diligently as we used to. Oh, yeah? But they checked your life. How are you running your home? How are you running, what the Bible says, how are you running your kids? How are you handling your duties? Anybody hear me? See, so you all have to recognize that God is, even if he promotes you, he's promoting you for the same reason he let Satan do what he did. Let's see what you do with leadership. Let's see what the pressures do to you. Because promotion will define you. It will keep you in position or it won't. So when I, I commission people to have a, a probationary period, I need to know how you can handle the pressures of the call of the office. Because a lot of people can handle the gift. Because the gift is their option, their domain. I can prophesy when I feel like it. Something. <laughs> but they cannot handle the office. The office deteriorates them. The office makes them sick, makes them tired, makes them sleepy, makes them angry, makes them moody, makes them sulky, makes them grumpy and resentful. Oh now you need to know what those words look like and then how they manifest. See, I don't give definitions only. I take my definitions and attach them to behaviors and conduct. Yes. So when I see a behavior, I know that this is where you are. That's 
This is what our assessments say. Our assessments don't just say, well, thou art a, a prophet, thou art a pastor. No, no, they tell you why or how you are a pastor, what type of pastor you are, and whether you're a gift, whether you're a, a manifestation, whether you're an officer. Officers think differently. There are a lot of people carrying the title of prophet in their gift. All they can do is prophesy. They can see and say. So they're like, a, you know, a human television. They see and say. But they can't do what the prophets did to found Israel. Because if they did, those prophets that voted for Biden realized that they put themselves in a position to build his civilization. Those prophets backed what they're doing against Christ. But because we brought it down to simple seeing and saying and prophesying and predicting, you know, I have a whole article on when a prophet is not prophesying, what are they doing? Waiting in the wings for another prophecy? See, the office is very different, and offices belong to institutions. So how you feel about the institution will show up in your officership. And so I'm one of those people, I'll just keep looking and I'll make notes. I got my little notes. I'll just make notes. Mm-hmm. How you handle instruction. If you end up getting moody and sulky and all of that, or you get mad or you become retaliatory or you worse, you become vindictive. So a lot of people passive aggressive. So you'll correct them and then they just won't do it at all. Well, you didn't like it, so I didn't do it at all. That's the parable of the talents. I knew you were a hard man. Sowing <laughs> where you did not plan or reaping, rather, where you did not sow. Forgive me. So I decided to not have to deal with your correction mm. or have to risk your judgment. So I buried everything in the ground. When you all walk around talking about that, I don't know, and I didn't understand, and nobody told me, that's that talent in the ground. <laughs> that's, ground that's talent and ground talk. Talent and ground talk. That's what I hear. I was like, then why do you find out? I've got books on everything. It is very hard to miss me. And, and threat. thank God for PIT Rachel. We got maneuvers. I got Dr. Paulopedia to tell you anything you need to know. Y'all have to, y'all haven't even subscribed to it. So you don't intend to be in the notes. Woo. It's loaded. And I got bunches of stuff that you can go just key in the subject. Just key it in. And the thing brings you up everything I wrote on it. And, and I'm getting ready to, to drown her again. Okay, so I'm drowning her again. So don't tell me you don't know. I've I, I developed all kinds of ways for our people to be in the know and for our people to be good at what they do if they want to be good. Is that true? So when they say, well, I just didn't know what to do, then go look it up because that's what a, fo- a leader does. A follower doesn't know what to do. A follower says, nobody told me. Wow. A follower says, I didn't know. I just thought that talent, that talent in the ground talk. Well, I, I just was scared to make a decision, so I didn't make any decision. So my whole situation is going through because you can't make a decision. So I do pay attention. I listen to early leader talk, and I'll look at early leader walk because it's going to tell me everything I need to know about how long you're going to be in this position. True. Yeah. It's true. Is it true? Yes. Yeah. Because we talked about it, I said, oh, no, this is, no, no, did you see this thing is killing us? 
He ain't gonna do this. This thing is killing. She ain't gonna do that because it's killing. Because when it's on you, you are optimistic. You're energetic. You're upbeat. Your morale is there. But if every time you turn around, this thing, are you kidding? If you're a prophet, you better get good at being up all night. Because God's a nighttime communicator. That's why you have dreams, baby, because he's a nighttime communicator. Okay? Pillow talk, blanket talk, mattress talk, get up. How about when he tells you to get up? Uh-uh, I need you to hit the fourth floor because I want you to hear me. Woo! Come on with that at the 3 a.m. I said 3 a.m. in the morning, 3.30, and so are devils. They see babies. God's realm does business when the sun go down. Oh! Wow. Okay. You got a bell? On purpose. That's why I got it over here. Because I put it over there one time and you sneaked. You sneaked over there. And see, people, and when you look at, now, come on, look at social media. The prophets are up at night. <laughs> you cannot be a, a, a vessel of God and need to have more than three hours sleep at a time. Okay, every now and then you get sick. Oh my God, every now and again. And that's because he knew he kept jumping for six weeks. <laughs> Holy Ghost is like, we got business to do. Now, I said to um, one of my prophets last night, I said, listen, I need you to understand how we miss God with the prophetic. I said, your entity, this, your being, is your instrument. We have brought it down to just your mouth and your mind and your anointing. But your entire being is your instrument. It's your, so what do you do with your instruments? What do you do to keep them in shape? And I'm not just talking about walking for six hours. That's nice. But be glad when I could do that again. I'm talking about this is your instrument. And when you look at what the word instrument means, you have to keep it in open shape. You have to be alert. So if the office is killing you, your instrument is inferior. It's great for interim service, temporary service, short assignment, but carrying the load of a department because prophets carry the load of an entire department. So what does your instrument do? Can you imagine going into surgery and the doctor saying, you know what, I didn't get a chance to work on my instrument? Wow. Oh, Oh, wait, what? Right. Uh, But it's all right. I, I kind of blew the dust off. So you have got to recognize, look up, study the word instrument and study it out. Don't just, you know, because we like to look up a word and we want to go to the quick definition. I'm talking about the people who couldn't tune in today. Okay? I'm not talking about those other people. So when, and so what we do, we don't really train people to be instrumental to the Lord. Oh, okay. See, we don't train people to be instrumental to God. We have to, we, we actually train people to be used as we are, as they are. And so when I look up, and I just went to the online, uh, this is my thing. First of all, instruments that started out as a musical piece. And then it says mechanical apparatus for producing musical sounds or whatever. From, and it tells you, comes from a word that means device 
You are God's device. So I don't know what a device is. This is your device. This is your device. Your television is your device. Your tablet is your device. And it's chock full with whatever. And from time to time, it needs to be upgraded. Some people have not been upgraded by God since they said, yes, Lord, I'll go. And then it says a tool. I don't like this one. A tool. And the next one is implement. So God implements things through you as his instrument. And the purpose of an instrument is furtherance. It is literally a furthering apparatus, like furniture, ornament, dress, embellishment. Here's what I love, a commission. Oh, It sounds familiar. Instrument comes from words that mean a commission, authorization, a document. What do you do with documents? You read and say. And it says that it's letting us know that it's for arranging, preparing, setting in order, informing, and teaching. You are God's instrument. That's an officer. You can be a vessel and not an instrument. A bomb, bowl, vessel. And then literally to build, to erect, to pile, and extend or to spread. That is what you're supposed to be. Now, I studied this, so I was able to build my curricula around these terms, using them as criteria, goals, objectives, and outcomes, as well as measurements. Mm. So I sit down and I do this. And she'll tell you, I do this every day. I get up and I do this every day because I'm an instrument, so I have to stay sharp. I'm not just a vessel. I'm an instrument, and I'm an implement, and I've got to stay sharp. Oh, yeah, see, this is how you do it. And schools are built for this reason. Many of you all can't do homework because y'all think you are just a vessel. And you're a vessel just, just trying to do a little something for the Lord. God's trying to build instruments that help him implement. This one here. All right. And so, and it goes back to something that means an agency. You see, what we're, everything that the prophetic office is supposed to be and do is in that one word, instrument. Damn. Not just vessel. Well, I'm just a vessel for the No, no, no. No, no. Paul knew he was an instrument. He used the term for his apostleship that includes all these words. I am, what did he say? Let us build on God as a faithful builder. Okay. And so, and then it means the sense comes from hand tools. Ministry is considered the hand of God. Y'all. Let's say, I'm taking this from an academic source. But I'm an instrument. I ought to be able to do that. And so it says here, hand tool, again, implement utensil, something used to produce a mechanical effect. Delivering the word of the Lord, rendering judgment giving out decisions, assessing, approving, validating, correcting, all of that. Now, see, so, see, you all have to know how I think. This is what I think when, I, when y'all tell me y'all doing so, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Noun usually distinguished from a tool as being used for more delicate work or for artistic or scientific purposes. The legal meaning, written document by which formal expression is given to a legal act. That's how we got the word legist or let legist, legist, depending on who's saying it. Formally used of, listen to this, because I want you to understand, I know, if you're not telling us sometimes, I know I'm right on this. Formally also used of body parts or organs with special function. And that's every officer. That's the difference between a gift versus an officer. Yes, you can. Pastor Shereen, you said, that's good. <laughs> that's good. God bless you, Apostle Lake. Yes. I just love you so much. Glad you joined me today. Wow. Uh, so you're saying that no matter what office you sit in or you're put into mm-hmm. or whatever, that these things uniformly would show up as hallmarks or indicators of how it's settling into mm-hmm. you or not. This is what weighs you. This is what assesses you. This is what what measures you. This is what gauges you. All of these. Because once you understand that commissional piece, the part that made God put you in his office, once you understand that, you don't change. You go to your job. Nobody's asking you to change that office. They're going to let you bring your little box of stuff. They're going to they're gonna tell you how the computer works and, work and tell you how the software works, and then they're going to tell you what time you're going to be there and tell you how long you're going to be there and tell you what you're going to do while you're sitting in their office and then tell you what you're not going to do while you're sitting. That's why you know most of these people are gifted. You can't tell them what to do. Because a real officer wants order. They want structure. They want construction. They want parameters so that they know whether or not they're breaching they want that. That's how come God, most people who tell you God ordained them, they will talk to you about, but God, the first thing God did was put me in order. That's true. You have to order your life before you can order other people. Mm. When you look at the word here, another variant, instrument, instrumentary, which is an adjective of or pertaining to a deed, there are prophetic deeds. That's why I wrote this dictionary. Deeds or legal instrument. We are legal representatives of the Godhead. We are legal instruments of his thought, not just messengers of his voice. That is interesting. Instrumentary, like Mm -hmm. documentary. Yeah. Documentary. Exactly. There you go. Now, here we go. Instrumental of the nature of an instrument serving, hear this, serving as a means to an end. Uh, That's why God starts everything with the prophet. Serving as a means to an end. And it says, again, the tool or apparatus, but here's something serviceable and useful. It's important that you understand. And so when we think about Instrument. Here's something that's very interesting. So, if, you know, I, I like to go through the proto Indo European group, and it means to spread. The sower sows the word. 
Jesus came as the sower, and he's he an instrument of God's word. He's like the seeder, and he spreads the word. That is why what I'm telling you is how to know the gifts from the office, but also a diviner from an official prophet. Roman Greco prophets are all voice boxes. They're going to tell you the future. Two steps made from the psychic. But they have words here that talks about construct, construction, destroy, destruction, industry, instruct, instruction, instrument, obstruct, obstruct. Why am I giving you these words? Because Jeremiah was put in position for these reasons as a prophet. I talked about that last night. He said, making you a prophet to the nations, an instrument of my thought, my will, and my emotion, as well as my deeds and destinies to a nation. We are in a church where people don't know how to think. That's because the prophets are not in that position. The prophets are freelancing as pastors without a church. Instruments also include race, stock, I mean the, the, the root of it. And to speak to race, stock, and line. And this is what they, they strategize. We're supposed to, we should have strategized this. Right. Instead of criticizing it. Because yeah. we criticized it. And then we divided it. Strategy and strategy. Strato, stratocracy. I didn't even know that was a word. Stratocracy. Stratum, stratus. Straw, street. Strew. Stroma, structure. Substrate. See, all of this is what we are to make happen or to work within the context of. Now, I did this from an academic resource. And I just opened it up. Why? I'm an instrument. I should be able to tell you how this works because I'm an instrument of this man's throne. I'm a throno agent. I'm a throno agent of the Godhead. I know that. So whatever this throne needs to know, do, and get done as far as my particular instrumentality goes, that's what I do. And I don't put it down. I do it every day. Every day I'm researching. I have papers all over the place. I pray for the people who got to clean up my little work area. I pray for them, God bless. You get to move around it. They just get Okay? Because I, I want you to understand this because it's important that you recognize. Now, interesting thing about instrument is that it started out as music. Right. But it was an instrument or a tool, a mechanism to give voice and to give sound to your inner self. Yeah. That's why God can use that. And that is also why prophets are, are, are so inclined to poems yeah. and yeah. parables yeah. and music and song because God's very musical. <clears throat> He's extremely musical. That's what you say. So I'm saying this to you to say when I tell you that you, 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 you're not hitting it, I'm not making it up. I'm not saying you offended me. You know, and you all do that. That's how we, we just went through. Oh, well, you, that's just you. That's not me. There are certain things that are generic to the position, generic to the call, generic to the function. Gene- these are gen- generic and generality. Yeah, yeah. And they fit whether you agree with me or not, whether you like me or not, whether I'm tall enough, short enough, white enough, black enough, orange enough, green enough, it doesn't matter. These are generic. And prophets, God calls us prophets, his messengers, his instruments. And when you look at all that he tells them to do, that's what gets me. I was like, but God, when we look at this thing, 
It says that. It says that. Can I just say? It says that. I just want you to know this. And I, and I check it out, and I look at all the other variations to see where he used the word instrument. Now, in Numbers 35, 16, he used it of iron. And how did he do it? Iron for a uh, blacksmith. Psalm 33, 2, instrument of 10 strings, musical. Psalm 92, 3, again, talking about that. All the way down, we get down to Isaiah 28, and then we have the instrument of threshing. How many of you know that he said the prophets are his threshers? See, we wanted to be short because, see, we bought into Satan's quick, fast, and in a hurry. So you don't have to be wise. You don't even have to be a quality witness. You just need to be worthy. Not even a wordsmith or wordologist. You just worthy. Just run your mouth. And that's what they teach you. Just run your mouth. Isaiah 54, 16, that, and I like this. This here is talking about the smith, and it says, bringing forth an instrument for his work. He said, and I have created the way that you destroy. And no, and, and Ezekiel is talking about the instrument. If you look up, and I love this one because this is important, but I love this one because it speaks to such powerful things. But because God, it says, God has, he said, I have hewn them. It should be Hosea. And Hosea, he talks about he, he has hewn or cut people down by his prophets. I didn't make any of this up. I didn't have to. That's the part that I think. That is why sometimes our words are cutting. Because God is cutting stuff off of you, cutting things out of you, cutting devil strings attached to you. He's cutting. He's not just trying to cut to you. He's cutting the cure. Isn't that right? That's surgery. And, and the higher you are, the more educated you are, the more surgical your prophecy. Because you are you're operating as one with full diagnostic capability. Apostles are supposed to be a diagnostic prophets are supposed to be. And if you read Leviticus, everything about Leviticus is being discerning and diagnostic. When you read it. And so God wants you to understand that why the prophet is first, why he starts everything with the prophet. He's going to get the most comprehensive faculties and facilities from that, that instrument that he built. We are built for this. That prophet spirit important. And we have brought it all down to, well, let's just see and say, well, that's what you say, but that's not what I say. Doctrine began with prophets. Laws began with prophets. Government began with prophets. Business began with prophets. Inaugurations began with prophets. Elections began with prophets. And that is why Satan made a big deal out of making God's prophets shabby. Slightly educated and overzealous, unable to discern flesh from flesh from spirit, carnal from supernal, and that is what my program has worked to bring about to produce prophets to do that. And you know, somebody said to me, "Well, you can do that, but you're going to have a, a small number of prophets because not a lot of people are going to want to do it, and a lot not a lot of people will finish." 
and because people just don't think it calls for all that. If you're a prophet, it calls for everything. If you're not a prophet, you're going to drop out, and that's, that's all right. And this is what I said to them. I would love to have thousands and tens of thousands like anybody. That kind of affirmation would be great. But all I can tell you is that those are thousands and tens of thousands brought us to today. You can't argue with that. You're talking about sitting down with leaders, senators, and government and whatnot, giving them counsel from we don't know you know what. Counsel that even ignores what they're calling it. Not being able to give them stratagem or, give, or, or giving them your ideas and fantasies and strategy. Not knowing what they face or being able to speak into it from the mind of God. God is a sovereign. He's the sovereign of sovereigns. I'm, you know, I'm having such a blast on this. He's the sovereign of sovereigns. Anybody hear what I'm saying? What does that mean? That means that God's got to reign. He's got to stay on top. God's going to give you on-top strategy unless he wants to take you out. When God gives you bad counsel, it's because he wants to take you out. It's because he doesn't want you to have the benefit of his wisdom. So he will give you childish prophets. That's why we got all of these young people on the front line haven't lived long enough to say anything, haven't even lived long enough to test what they say. We, you don't even know if your counsel works because you haven't lived long enough to see if it works for you. And you can't get them off TV because the world has been trained by Satan for children and the, and the down and dirty, the quick and fast, and all of that because nobody's going to pay, pay attention to God anyway. Ezekiel 33, y'all should read that. Ezekiel 33 is where the church is. Yeah. They like the sound of prophecy. Yes. They don't like the wisdom. And he calls it like a musical instrument. But when you want to, when you're trying to, to, to be a sovereign and you're you're looking to rule, you're looking to build, you're, all of the things that we talked about, you need instruments and not just vessels. So when I talk to you and I say, this is how we do this, I, I'm not, a, and she'll tell you, I'm not a man. I don't have to imagine. I just know until I see the thing, because I can see, you know, I can see a fall happening. I can see a crash happening. Did I not, have I not called everyone? Because, no, y'all not going to, I promise you, this person ain't going to be here for long. This person's not going to make this, because this, this is killing them now. I mean, the baby steps to kill them. What are we going to do when you have to hit high strides? You can't even walk with the foot soldiers. How are you going to run with the Okay, you're toddling. You're wobbling and toddling. So when she made that statement, she was speaking on the fact that I, I did. And I found out that more people are called than others. Our assessment proves it. The majority of the people take our assessments have no concept of office. Now, I think more of them, if they're trained, they would be officers. They would come up that way. I think if they were trained, but they can't recognize the office in a statement. They can't recognize the office in a question that, because they're, they're bound to their theology. You know, and so I've been doing this for a lot of years, and I took the hit of saying, okay, I'm not changing Jesus. I'm going to keep it. They're going to rise up. They're going to get mad. They're going to fight. Mostly men don't ever finish. I don't know if we had any, as far as the prophet goes, did we have any that finished? And stay with it? And stay with it? No. I said, well, that's what y'all do with the house anyway. It just carries over. 
You don't stay with your marriages. You don't stay with your kids. You don't stay with anything. And if you have to work, they can't do it. Many of them can't read. That's true. Half of the problem is that they can't read. But the strong ones will go and do an exercise, and then they turn around and say, well, it's because, you know, you're a woman. I need to be trained by a man. I don't know you've been trained by a man all day long, and you still can't do it right. You still can't finish. We had uh, one of our male ministers years ago, and uh, somebody asked him about, well, do you have a problem being under a female leader? He said, my boss on my job is a woman. My supervisor on my job, these are all women. He said, I work with women everywhere is my superiors. Mm-hmm. And it, so I don't understand why this should have some, I should have an issue in this arena when I don't have an issue with it. And actually what's funny was his boss's name is his job, Paula as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he said, I, I don't understand why people keep asking me that question. He's a young white guy. Why people keep asking me that question because all my bosses are women. And he was in a business arena. He was outside of this. And you know, the issue is that the church affirms men on the basis of gender only. You're the male. And that is because the church was weird. Not even got this. I think I can give it a lot of reasons, but it was weird on the King James Version of the Bible. Mm-hmm. King, at least the King James, we shouldn't even be saved. Yeah. He writes none of that stuff to women except the oppressive stuff. So they're raised on that. So this is a consciousness. This is a psyche that was forced on them. And then when they go and, and, and you move into other things, you have very few scriptures or, or Bible versions that give credence to God having sons and daughters. As a matter of fact, you could be a son, and then as a, as a daughter, you have to be absorbed by the son. I still say that's third world. I don't care. I can go to Islam and get the same thing. So what, what benefit is Christ? If I can get the same thing. So why do we do that? Well, because they were raised by raised on that King James version of the Bible, and King James was not only gay, he hated women. They talked about even someone told me recently that he killed his mother. So matricide is why is the motivation. So he said, Can we trust it? He commissioned the King James to be done by his theological group. Uh, he commissioned them to do it, and he had to do it because Queen Elizabeth said, if I put you on the throne, you must produce a Protestant Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got this. So when you think about it, here we are. And back then, I don't know that it was all that, you know, a problem because most women didn't have education. Most women didn't go to school. Most women had no future. And if you didn't get married, you pretty much, you know, better be a superstar because you want to start trying to make a living. That was then and this is now. And we should grow forward. Now, Paul did not subscribe to this. I don't know why I'm having this conversation, but somebody out there probably needs to hear the words. Paul did not subscribe to this. We have Paul who supposedly wrote, I suffer not a woman to teach or to usurp authority over man. For the man was created first and the woman second and the woman was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Now, Paul wasn't writing that to say Adam was great. He was saying Adam was rebellious. He was defiant. He, well, he had no, just like Lucifer had no reason. Adam had no reason to sell God out. The woman had a reason because she didn't exist when the command came. She was still in him. 
You know, we read it to say that that means men are superior. That's not what God was saying. God was saying that she ate from the tree and Adam was standing there letting her eat and then took a bite. We don't hear that because you, you, after, you, after you kind of hit, learn things wrong, you, don't, you never think right unless somebody forces you to think differently about them. And so he said, so the, the man, was, and he said that, and he's saying the woman didn't exist, so she wasn't in a position to make the decision or to render the judgment. But then he goes on and he makes a statement that is so stunning. He said, nevertheless, they, the, excuse me, she will be saved in childbirth if they continue in faith. Now, so how is it that he means all women unless you're saying men have a right to make anything pregnant he wants? I'm sure a lot of them believe it. Bless the go hard. But this is the same guy that said, talk to us in Philippians about Euodia or Euodia, whichever you want, and sympathy. He said, help these women who labor with me. So is Paul confused? I was reading the, the, the um, CSB Bible, and I, and I hope I'm quoting the right one before the CSB people get mad with me. But where Paul does all of this in 1 Corinthians 11, and he does it, and he pretty much accepts it and confines it to culture because the 16th verse of that passage says, but if any man seem contentious, we have no such custom, neither do the churches of God. So this is a, so chauvinism is a male thing, and it's a human man, and it's a contentious man's thing. Y'all okay with me? Y'all okay? Facebook, social media, y'all okay? Y'all rolling with me? So we have all of these mandates against womanhood. Even the world has fixed that problem. The world has fixed it. Now, they didn't do it because they love us. They did it for the reasons of expedience, but expediently they fixed their bigotry. Because, see, we don't call that bigotry, but it is. That is why they knew they could tear off the farm. That is why they knew they could tear down the church. They're like, you throw away 50% of your talent anyhow. We're using our arm. Look at Kamala. We're using our talent. You're crushing yours. So we, you get to fight with half of what we use to fight you. Well, the women can pray. No, we can do a whole lot more than pray. Y'all hear my mouth. You know we can do a whole lot more. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, and I've talked about the, the whole thing when we talk about the uh, the whole Jezebel spirit. You know, again, have you ever noticed how men say Jezebel spirit? It sounds contentious, doesn't it? The brother says, this. "Yeah, that's because she got a Jezebel spirit." I'm thinking, read your Bible and then go to school, <laughs> because Jezebel was a queen. She may not have been. Hey, you know, because I like to say that Israel didn't have any queens because Israel was a theocracy. But as far for all intents and purposes, she was the king's wife. Yeah. That already upgraded her to his equal. Because you, whether you are, you could be the woman to, to you know, tonight you slopping floors in a janitorial place in some sort of high rise. Some, some high-powered man come and decide I'm going to marry you, and tomorrow you're no longer in that. And you have all of the, the powers and authority and all of that stuff that go with it. You do. 
And so we talk about, these men talk about Jezebel as if she was some sort of rebellious wife who was tearing up her house. She was not. She was, first of all, she was a princess before Ahab made her a queen. That's why when it took God to settle the whole neighborhood, because she had a right as a sovereign to do what she did. It wasn't righteous, but, she, but it was within her rights. So we, we have this, and I want you to hear that. So when you say Jezebel spirit, you're saying I'm a queen, and I got the power of a queen working for me. Call me Jezebel. I'm just not turning on my Jesus. Because you see, we don't, because theological bigotry, because that's what it is. Theological bigotry doesn't have to have sense. It's not speaking from the Logos. It's speaking from its rhema sentiment. You realize the word rhetoric comes from rhema. So when people say they have a rhetoric, when they say they have a rhema word, they're talking about the rhetoric, a discourse from God. Doesn't mean it comes. It doesn't say it comes from the Lord. And so we have built the church on Rama without Logos. So we can say anything because it's the Logos that anchors it. Again, we're going back now to the Constitution to the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all flowing with me, right? Let me insert this moment here. We are running a slash sale today. I'm saying this. I'm saying this. I'm in your corner because she got it. 15% off Dr. Price's online inventory. All of it. They just use the code at checkout. Okay, so it's ppmglobalresources.com. We'll get that up to you on your screen. 15% off. Use Jesus and Paula. Spell it all out as the coupon code today only. 15% off. PPMGlobalResources.com. Don't you just love it? Enjoy. And listen, if you haven't yet, subscribe to Dr. Paulopedia. Especially if you want you if you got to prepare sermons. People are saying, I want your mind. How do you do it? How do I get it? Well, it's there for you to do that. You can prepare sermons. You can figure out what the prophet is about, what the prophet is not about. You can go on and on and on. So after you do the visit the store and get your discount, on the 15%, hop right on over there and go and say, I want to subscribe to Dr. Paulopedia. you got a lot of stuff with it, and it's great. If you look at your screen, you can see 1 Corinthians 12, 1, prayer portal closed. Is that showing up there? Do you all see it? Because, see, theirs is moving. Yours isn't moving. Y'all pray for us. For us to get all of this sharp stuff. Prayer portal closed. Based on Isaiah 1, 10 through 19, and we discussed that in an earlier broadcast. So what closes your prayer portal? And we need to get it open. Well, look at this page here. Access denied. Permission granted or not. We can talk apocalyptic elect. We can talk all of that stuff all we want. If you're not, if you don't have the stature, the status, station, and standing, you can talk, and God will let you petition him all day long. You can petition him 
day and night. He's going to love you for it. But when God wants to get into that high power stuff where he's dealing with his principalities, because principalities are not what we think. We think they're just wonderful little, you know, maybe forms of kind of like they do astrology. You think that when you look at all of those astrological signs and the, and the, the images, you think that the heavens look like that. They don't. Somebody flesh that out so that it would look like a beast. Okay? Dracon does not look like a dragon. That's how somebody perceives it. So you so they cross those lines and then say, let's flesh it out. The fish, same thing. So you have to recognize that when a lot of what they're talking about, principalities are literal beings. And they're beings with the, who are the same power as princes on earth, except without the boundaries, without the limitations, and without the, the restraint from our government. They are governed by God's government. They're governed by heaven's government. So when we say we're dealing with principalities, you know, we're talking about chiefs. We're talking about work archons, chiefs. These are high powers who have their assignment in their realm that is that to which ours is equivalent. Our chiefdoms are equivalent to theirs with the, with the limitations of the fall and mortality and ignorance and time and space constraints and on and on and on. Does that help you? So when they go on assignment, they're going on, we go on assignment to get our people. They, just, they don't just get people. They have part our geographical region. The principalities over Tulsa, the church gave them power. So because we are the highest, higher principle, but we were too busy being coy, being meek, being where we just, we don't want to act like we God. I don't know why Jesus says we God. If Jesus says well, I'm a God, then I'm going to be a God. I mean, I'll be God of God, but I'm, a, I'm God. You know, the world has taken our destiny, our stature, our standing, and they're exercising it because the laws of creation is that what you believe in, whatsoever thou believe, that's what it is. So I don't, I don't have identity crisis. Yes, I'm go, I am going to be all of that. And I'm pushing it. All of this here, had I, and I've been trying to get to the, to the larger screen for over a decade. Had I been able to do it instead of fighting with the, with the saints who fighting, who, that the principalities of darkness were using and, and, and fueling with rivalry and competition and, and resistance and deviousness and all of that, had I not been able to, we might have gotten a bigger population to push back on this. And God's going to hold them accountable for his loss and his cause. And we're seeing God react. Because we said, whatever happened to? We ain't someone so. You know, we used to. People was talking past tense. We're in the past tense Jesus thing. Because God shut them out of the present tense. Because they wanted, we wanted, we wanted that happy time gospel. Very Buddhistic gospel. Very Hindu gospel. We wanted that. I'm happy. You're happy. Don't worry. Be happy. God, don't don't give me no bad news. I had a, a man tell me that as a prophet. Don't give me no bad news. And I thought to myself, but if I told you an ice storm was coming, you'd want to know. In other words, don't give me no God news. 
We did this to the Lord, and I promise you, everybody that's part of it, God is not letting them leave this planet until they confront it. Some people were deceived, because that's what Satan's job is, to deceive. But you need to recognize you cannot go storming God's gates when you were part of tearing them down. We can sin storming the gates all day long, but the angels of God just got to clean up our mess. I'm like, but you're not getting past it. So if you look at your screen, those of you who can, you can see there are those with a prayer portal access, exclusive access, class, top class. These are people like your Pauls and your Davids, etc. that whatever they feel is justified or necessary at their discretion in God's service, God gives them that. I'll give it to you. So this is all about that. And then we have, you know, the access stamp approved unto God. Here, I want to go here first, permission granted. So there's a permit. Now, the interesting thing about a permit is a permit is either, is, it can be long, but it's conditional. As long as you meet these conditions, you have a, you have a driver's permit, you have a driver's license, and on we go. And, and so, and it still represents approval. And then when we go over here, this is the guidebook. You know, we want to do all of this without training, or we want to get trained on brochures and pamphlets. Isn't that what we want? We want pamphlets. Let's get on brochures. So I want to talk to you. We're getting ready to get into, um, and believe it or not, this is a word. We're going to talk about what it is to be God sovereign. And we talked about, I uh, introduced you to these photographs before in, uh, in a, a, a previous broadcast. But I want to read to you the definition of sovereignty, because we said we are God's apocalyptic elect sovereign. I want you to hear me. Listen to my words. Sovereignty, to exercise or give power to exercise supreme authority. To make or one who has been made into a sovereign. We were born the sovereign elect of Jesus Christ. We were born into it. Now, whether we do anything with it, whole other thing. To promote to rulership, to appoint as rule, paramount, supreme, her sovereign virtue is compassion. Sovereignizing enables and empowers one to exercise supreme, permanent authority. Especially in a nation or other governmental context. Such sovereignty includes, as you read the profile, a king, queen, or other noble person who serves as a chief of state, a ruler, or monarch. We are happy. We run around talking about we are, what do we run around saying? We are kings and priests to God. Really? Because the synonym for king is sovereign. Monarch. You understand it. That's why the, 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 the secular world has a problem with us because they're pushing democracy, democracy and Jesus is a monarchy. Actually, it's theocracy. So they need to get Jesus out of the way. These are devils trying to get Jesus out of the way, using their offspring to make it so. Now, Jesus' offspring is not doing that. We have to take All right? A national governing council or commission. We are that council or committee. A nation that governs territory outside its borders 
that's us, outside of God's borders is all the world that he created. Um, a self-governing, independent, a sovereign state, or a ruler having supreme rank or power, a sovereign prince. Did I not say this is about Prince Thomas? A person exercising supreme authority, especially a monarch, supreme in rank or authority, outstanding, relating to or the characteristics of a sovereign, independent, outside authority, a monarch or other supreme ruler, a person who has sovereign power or authority, a body of persons or a, or a state having sovereign authority belonging to the characteristics of a sovereign royal. We are royal priesthood. You see how we fit the, ca- the classification? If we indeed are a nation of kings and priests to our God, then we are sovereign to our God. God is over all. God is the sovereign of sovereign, and he has children that he is not just keeping as royal. He would like to put in sovereign positions and stations in his creation. Supreme, preeminent, indisputable sovereign power, a sovereign right, greatest in degree, utmost or extreme, being above all others in character and importance or excellence. And my last one, which is one of my favorite ones, efficacious and potent. Now, this is what God put in us as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, we, we, what we do with it, obviously, is another set. But if you don't have people to, pro- to preach this, you will never seek it. You have to seek it because you'll start saying, wait a minute, I'm a sovereign. What do you mean? That's not happening. And so in God's terms, in God's terms, in the terms of the Lord Jesus Christ or the Godhead, in their terms, we can overturn anything. That's why he said, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed. See, these people are operating on faith while they sold us on faithlessness. They got us to defect from our God. I don't know if you just heard what I said. So they sold us hopelessness, and they took the hope that belongs to us, that virtue that belongs to us, and gave it to their constituency. So they're bold. That's why they can bully us. They're bold. They, they know that by their hope, by their faith, they put a blockade up around us, but, but first of all, by starting by neutralizing their only opposition, their only resistance, and that is the church of Jesus Christ, the spirit-filled church of Jesus Christ. While we're walking around talking about God is love, but who be the judge? That's witchcraft. Who are you to tell me what to do? All of those things that we cried about and complained about, they absorb, they appropriate. for their own benefits and their own assets. So they got us to stamp down on everything they're doing, and now we don't like it. Right. Oh, no, we don't like it. Well, that's not fair. It, 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 it's fair now because you advocate. When you advocate, then the person who takes over takes a control, and it's a fair. It's whether, even if they're unjust, unfair, we gave it to them. God said, I gave the world into the hands of the sons of men the children of offspring of his people. So when we think about this, because I want you to understand what we're talking about, God's powers back in God's invisible 
and we talked about the protocols so you can see that the God's invisible guardians. God has invisible guardians, but we are his visible ones. We are what the earth needs to come through, come past, to meet God and to, to exercise his authority. You realize that the fact that the church backed Harry Potter set us on the course to do this. Christian schools teaching witchcraft, making their little children witches, warlocks, the church backing Halloween, backing Satan's holidays and institutions. And then you wonder, where's God? Where are your kids going October 31st? Because that's where God is. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why. God, do you think we'll ever get another move of God? Not, but you'll probably miss it. It'll probably pass you by. <laughs> sovereignty. Sovereignty. The supreme, absolute, and uncontrollable power by which an independent state or independent entity or state is governed and from which all Specific political powers are derived. There was a time that was us. There was a time that, because many of this young generation and many of these millennials don't know that there was a time that Christianity ruled the world. It's our laws they're overturning right now. It's our constitution that they're trying to overturn right now. To replace it with one of death and doom, oppression and destruction. The intentional independence of the state or entity combined with the right and power of regulating its internal affairs without foreign interference. The world is foreign to us. We are seated in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. We are filled with all the fullness of the Godhead. We are offspring of the Godhead. We are of the seed of Christ as he is so are we in this world. I don't know how, how I don't know how more, more succinctly we can say it. I don't know how we can be more blunt than as he is, so are we in this world. That's his blood. That ought to be on everybody's T-shirt. That ought to be on, on hashtags on your Facebook. As he is, so are we. So is God spelling out his, is Jesus spelling out his father? Is the Holy Spirit spelling out Jesus? Is the Holy Spirit promoting Bigamy, polytheism, paganism, witchcraft, sodomy, homosexuality, sorcery, wizardry, drugs. See, because that's what it means when you made your vote. That's what it meant. And God is not going to deny himself. God's not going to turn on God. Your flesh may turn on you, but God is not turning on God. <laughs> Sovereignty is the power to do everything necessary to govern oneself, such as making, executing, and applying laws, imposing and collecting taxes, making war and peace, and forming treaties or engaging in commerce with foreign nations. Earth is a foreign nation, a foreign entity to the Almighty. This is a foreign assignment as far as God's concerned for the Bible. Oh, you all okay? Is this useful? I'm not trying to be funny. I mean, is this doing, or is this boring you? Is it confusing you? Okay, some states or entities possess internal sovereignty. Others do not have it. Um, Others do not have external sovereignty. They're only sovereign within them. 
and such is the right to deport undesirable persons, but everyone has the attributes of internal sovereignty. When I'm teaching the stronghold, this is what this is all about. I, I've got to make you think more than a good Christian. I've got to make you think like a sovereign. The vote, the, the, the issues, the politics, all of those things are based on us being submissive Christians. We thought we were being submissive to Christ and found out we submitted to Satan. Sovereign is determined with reference to a constitution, which is the supreme law of the land. How many times have you heard me say the constitutions are physical or human before they're political and before they're unfaithful? So we have got to discover the constitutional side of our sovereignty because we are holy habitation of God by the Spirit. We are God's residents. That's why he can make us sovereign, because I'm walking in you. I'm talking in you. I've made you my people so that I could be your God. I've written my laws in your heart and in your mind so that I can, can make you do them. So what happens? So is, is God's word of no effect? No. That has nothing to do with it. Nothing neutralized God's word. People just left it. See, the word is still powerful. It's still living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. People just left it. They shut it down. That, I don't want to think about that. But I'm sorry, that's too religious. So when, they, when other doctors came in, they had these tree talks. Do you know that God won't kill you if you, if you violate his laws? No, God won't kill you. But at the moment you do, like Adam, you begin to die. The soul that sinned, it shall die. We understand that when Adam sinned, his soul died. His body kept on going. Don't you wish you were up here now? No. <laughs> See, his body, because his body kept going, no one realized that at the moment he ate, he died. His soul severed from the life of God, the life of his maker, his blood took on the contaminations of the servant, serpent who was already dead, judged by mortality. So the reason Adam's body went back to the dust is because his soul is on. So God's word works. We just got we get caught up in the fact that it's wrong. So God works through the biological, physiological laws that he set in place. You know, even today, people will tell you folks with cancer had it for almost a decade or so before it did anything. So they were dying then. They didn't know it. There are certain diseases that you have that are in your DNA. Why is it in your DNA? If death did not spread to all, because God considered everybody to have sinned. Now, typically, sovereignty operates on a constitution and bill of rights. This is our bill of rights. This is our constitution. It is not that because it's on paper in a book. It is that because it's what brought us into existence, and God gave us something tangible and concrete, such as this book, for us to make the connection between what he did inside us that we can't see with what 
is going to come about as a result of what he did in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. And this, this came from not the man who denied him the night before his crucifixion. It came from his buddy, his close friend, the, the guy who is doing it. There are people, the people who are close to you can say things about you that people who know you and even work for you or whom you even socialize with can't even imagine. Because there are certain things, once you have a closeness, it pulls out an intimacy. It pulls out secrets. It pulls out a, a, a disclosures that you wouldn't even consider making in front of someone that is not sitting in that place. So literally, James, Jude, and John were very intimate with Jesus Christ. James and Jude are his brothers. When you read, they write like Moses. You ever look at their writing? That little epistle that they have, and I know they wrote a lot more, but that little epistle, they, they sound like Moses. Because Jesus, they got Jesus' genes through the mama, through the mama's mitochondria. Y'all all right? I hit a bell. So they, they, are, they have to share, they, not the same father, but the same mother. But you have to think about it because creation is biotic. And so these men, they, they grow up, and Jesus is their elder brother. Now, what the years were between them, I don't know. I know that they were old enough to talk to him like brothers. They actually talked to him like brothers, if you pay attention to some of John's uh, narratives. Like in John 7, they say, well, are you going to the feast? Nobody should, who does everything you do, not this. I mean, this is your time to shop. Yeah. <laughs> Only your family going to tell you, for it's your time. Get on out there and show people what you can do. Come on, Jesus. Why aren't you doing this? But see, when you have a, just a religious mind, you don't see all of those nuances that give you the revelation. Revelation comes from nuances. And it comes from realization. So they're telling him, what do you mean you're not going to the feast? This is the feast of feast. What do you mean? Jesus said, you go to the feast. I can't go to the feast. He said, the world loves you because you're just related to me by my mama. But my daddy is what they have a problem with, and I'm filled with that firm. So you go to the feast, uh, and, and I'm not going up to the feast. Wow. So whether he changed his mind or not, we don't know. But by the time they get there, he's there and they preach I don't even know how to man up there that preacher. I was like, how did you get here? And, he is, and he's telling them that who he is. He's constantly, when you are an officer, you don't step out of your office. And if you step out of your office, it's because you have are, you are literally abdicated your authority. Just like you step out of your office and you're your job, they don't keep sending you a check. You're, honey, you do not go look on there and say direct deposit. They take your stuff. You don't have to turn in your keys if you have any. They're just going to recode everything. They're going to deactivate your stuff because you stepped away. That is what gets me about today. I said, but we got, that's why I know we got a bunch of gifters. Because gifters, think, they, they think all mushy and emotional. Officers think, let's protect this institution. 
Let's, let's keep this thing straight. And they, they imagine you coming back to break to steal. They imagine you coming back to take some of their stuff, to violate their trust. They imagine you being retaliatory and vengeful. So they have all of these measures and these precautions in place to see to it that when you leave your office in their service, you don't get a chance to come back. But if we do it, we're not being loved. So we, can, we, we have to be fairer to the advocator, the departed, than we are to the God that put us in his service. That's the difference between gift versus office, household versus stronghold. Household is always crying about the kids. Stronghold is always fighting for the entity. Household, we always cry about the kids. And, and listen, how many times I've been around a mother who has nothing but her household? Boring. You don't hear about kids poop, kids not, kids fit, kids don't go to sleep, I'm tired or whatever. That's why they need to stay together. Because the rest of us are not really, we, isn't that cute? And as a matter of fact, they come and, and you can see when they get ready to pull the phone out, you want to say, I got to go because I know I'm going to have to watch these pictures all over again. All over again. And so, but an officer is not that. So the people who take your keys are saying, uh, they're doing their job as an officer. The people who change your call IT is like, oh, they don't need for a second. But, but they're not just over my computer. Honey, they change your password. Change your access code. And if you don't leave, they send security to remind you where the door is. As a matter of fact, they used to let you pack up. Now they pack up for you. Yes. Oh, yes. Because they don't know what you're going to put in those boxes. Right. Instruments, remember? See, because you're still an instrument. You are just severed from the service. Because nobody can take that internal instrumentality from you. But they can do it. I, I love it when people say, you didn't make me an apostle. You didn't make me a prophet. I don't. Have, and, and your company didn't make you who you are either. Oh. But when they say you you got to stop doing it for them, you have to stop doing it for them. My mind. Isn't that true? Yeah. You didn't. You, you didn't. You didn't lay the first brick. You weren't the first worker of your company. No. <laughs> and they did not make you. They engaged you because you ended up qualifying from what from how you were made. You qualify, but then they, they bought your exclusivity. You can no longer just do it for everybody anyway. They bought your exclusivity. When we talk gift versus office, we are literally talking about whether or not you are representing an institution or yourself. Yeah. Is this all right for you all to know? Yeah. See, if, if, if God starts everything with a prophet, and if we don't lay the foundation, if we don't set it in order, it's never going to be repaired. So your company didn't make you an insurance agent. You, as a matter of fact, the state made you. Yes. Huh. That is true. The state made you. And the state, in making you, gave you some credentials to certify that you are safe for the public, safe for consumerism. The state made you a therapist. They ain't going to tell you how you're going to therapize. 
I don't just agree with that. You're going to do it there? Yeah, you can give me my paper back. I need my paper back because we are backing this particular model, this brand, this approach. Now, we give you leeway for innovation, a little bit of ingenuity, okay, possibly, but you need to recognize that they made you. And they're letting you know, well, you can keep the ideas, you can keep the education, you can even keep your diploma, but what you can't keep is our credentials. That's right. Mm-hmm. Is that the truth? I'm talking about doing hair and nails, your fingernails. Most of your life, you do your own fingernails. <laughs> okay? Your fingernails. You do, you've been doing your mani petty since you were teenagers. But yet, if you want to do it on anyone else, you cannot do your mani-pedis on others the way you do them on yourself. You have to do your mani-pedis the way the state does mani-pedis, allowing for creativity and innovation. Are we, do you understand? When you go to do your job, you know, we had a guy here who worked for a wonderful restaurant chain, and he used to have these secret spices that he brought in his pocket every day. Man, that was the best food you ever had. I mean, whatever it was, that man didn't taste like We traveled all over the country, never tasted it. This has gone back about a decade or so. And they found out why, because everybody was like, but this here, this guy, this, you know, it was a chef. Everybody was all excited about him. And you know what? But they said, we didn't hire you for that spot. We gave you the recipe. They are mandated. So you cannot bring your little home stuff in our corporate recipe. And it was so sad because we went back, it went back to taste and bad, bland, and, you know, unremarkable as it was. We And I was so upset they fired him before I could find out what that spice was. <laughs> so they cannot just bring that, oh, well, I got stuff on my shelf. You can't bring that. You can't bring so-and-so book. I don't care if you took a class online. They don't care if it's contrary or contradictory to what they authorized. You can't do it. See, gift versus office. Now, officers are concerned about that. Officers are going to have certain conversations. They're going to make certain comments and commentaries and let you know that they have a broader knowledge and a more protective safeguarding perspective of what they do because they are protecting the institution so the institution can keep going what it does for the public. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. So I'm say that again. So when you start talking about your rights and your will and you're independent and I got a right to and I don't have to and I got mine and you got yours, then you are not an officer. You are a gift. Because officers will always say we've got to protect this institution and even in a broader sense, we've got to protect the industry because perpetuity and pervasiveness as well as permanence are always on the mind of an officer. We can't let this church go down. That's Jesus' mind. Upon this rock, I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. He's a sovereign. He knows because if the institution goes down, strike the shepherd and the people will scatter. Where we are today, they struck all these shepherds. And God's people are scattered. That is a tactic that God knows a, a, a competing sovereign will use to take over. 
Are you all okay with me? Because when I start talking about stronghold versus household, these are the things that I had in mind. It wasn't a matter of saying you shouldn't be able to do what you want to do. Then step down out of your position and do what you want to do. You want to act like a commoner. You want to act like the public. Then step down and join the ranks of the public. Otherwise, you are duty-bound to back what God put you in power to do. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So when we talk about sovereign. And, and, and we talk about well, we kings and priests of God. No, we not, because all of Satan's kings kicked y'all out. So we can't really be too kingly, because we're not kingly minded. We're community minded. We're congregational minded. We're cultural minded. We're not King Jesus minded, because King Jesus wouldn't have made one third of the decisions that we made, even along the way under the, uh, the, this whole course of action. He wouldn't have done it. Jesus literally got on that cross because he was a sovereign. Because he's like, I'm not changing. What did Satan say? Satan knew he was a problem. Yeah. Jesus starts out, gets baptized, driven in the wilderness. You know, people leave God in the wilderness. Oh, I ain't saying out here, this is crazy. I'm, I'm, this cannot be God. I'm trying to God. I'm sorry. Wouldn't put me through this. He wouldn't take my house. He wouldn't take my car. He wouldn't take my family. You want to bet Moses had to give everything up. Moses had to give everything up. So Jesus is in the wilderness, and what does Satan do? He comes to he comes to disqualify him from his messianic mission. And the first thing he wants him to do is misuse the word of God, misappropriate the word of God for his own needs. Command the stones to be bred. He already knows his power, but what he knows is God's going to to, to literally disqualify him if he misappropriates the power that is in him, that is vested in him. So he's tested. You realize that we didn't have to get to two and three. These people, most of our folks, they ended on turning the bread, the stone to bread. And then he said, well, if you're the son of God, jump off the building, commit suicide. Because the angels, he, Satan, he saw those angels standing around there guarding Jesus because it said they were there. But the angels were even good. They didn't get involved. Because, see, they, 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 their job was to get involved when the Messiah was approved unto God. When he passed this test, then the angels came and ministered to him. They were there. I mean, they, if all heaven was there, everybody was witnessing to see if Jesus could, could still be the Messiah, even though he was born a man. So God said, no, no, hold on. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then we got to the biggie. I mean, the big one. The one that takes everybody out. Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. That means Jesus was so depleted, he could plant anything in his brain. And he said, listen. All of this here, I will give you. And we rarely ever hear it preached if you will bow down and worship me. So what is the law of the Spirit? Whomever you yield yourself to obey, that one becomes your God. So he wanted Jesus. Now, you're the, first of all, you could tell Satan had a tough job. God told him he had to do that. Because truth be told, this is your maker. 
This is your creator. I'm the one that kicked you out of my realm. And you're going to offer me the kingdoms of this world. You are still because I kicked you down. Okay? And so he says, if you will bow down, and he said, but thus it is written, that you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. That is how we got here. Today, Christians are worshiping anything because they've had a taste of the kingdom of this world. And the rest of them are worshiping anything because they don't know how God God is. Because God doesn't, he doesn't leave with with all of that stuff. He leaves with convergence, trials, tribulation, discipline. Okay, uh, he he scourges every Sunday. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? So when we think about your prayers must leave earth. Are you all able to see that screen? Okay. And so, if you, and so we have a compass that is literally like the orbit spinning around. We've got the rain, and you can see the rain in the middle of that. And then we've got, you know, where your prayer is going to land. So we have it leaving earth, getting into God's world. So let's see what that looks like. It depends on where you stand with God. Remember, stature, uh, stature status, standing, uh, station, and standing. I keep saying that because those are the keys to whether or not you hit the bullseye with God or whether you just shoot out there. Like right now, when you think about all of these um, Buddhist people, Hindu people talking about the universe, which part? As vast as the universe is, billions of galaxies, billions of stars in the Milky Way, and you're saying the universe smiled on you. What part? How do you know? Well, because things happen? No, no, no. That's not how you do this. And trust me, you don't know who brought you your stuff and what they're going to ask you to give in return. We have tons of movies about saving you signing away your soul to get a little piece of something. And then you think that after you've gotten it like a kid, I've eaten the candy, I've played with the toy, I'm bored, I'm done, I'm out. And then I I, I hold it. Because in God's world, they don't play. They don't play like we do because they are the original. They are the archetype and the prototype. God's realm is the archetype. Satan is the prototype of failure. So the first thing you have to do, if it lands, then you're going to get a response, maybe. So a lot of people are involved, a lot of beings are involved out there in God's world handling this. He says he has an innumerable company of angels. So you have to reveal what you hear and not run on. Well, I just heard so and so. No, no, can't run on everything. Then you got to have, uh, make sure that that's why you need counsel. You need prayer party. You notice he said with two or three are gathered in my name. He didn't say one. He said two or three. So to make sure who's answering is who we want. I'm going to refer to you. It's the way you think. This is what I feel like God told me. Reassign. When you move up in God, he changes your assignment. And when you move out of God, he changes your assignment. He downgrades your assignment. When you mess up with God, God downgrades you, never say a word. All of a sudden, you know that your prayers don't go anywhere. Your words, whatever you say. And it's like you say all of this stuff like you always did, kind of like Samson. He got up. Samson, the middle the money. This is like, you know, the seventh time, however long she did it. Final time, he got up after telling her his secret, and he had no power. Because reassigned it. The last two reforms. You should not expect 
your prayers to not affect you. You're going to reform. God looks for reformation before he allows you to touch his stuff. You've got to be transformed into him. And I am. I told God, I said, God, I used to want to think like you. Now I want to, now I want to think you. I want your thoughts in my brain. And sometimes he does it, and I have to say, wait a minute, hold on. Go ahead, I'm Holy Ghost. Yes. Lastly, you're looking for relief. And you have to go through all of these kinds of things, if you will, for God to release what you're asking for. And you and, and reform when you have to change your life. If you're praying for a car, you have to alter your behavior. You're praying for a house, you have to start treating your apartment like a house. You're praying for a car, and you're getting a ride from your friend. You need to help them because your your life is going to change when you get a car. So you need to already be paying something. You know how y'all like to just ride for free? And then you get mad wondering why you can't keep your car. You're not a cousin. It's never been in your budget to pay for how you get around. Because you don't, because you, I mean, you get in there, you thank them. But you don't pay for gas, you don't buy gas, you don't help with insurance, you never, and then when the repairs are not these, I guess I better find me another ride. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Reformation. If you plan to have a car of your own, a vehicle of your own, then you need to support the people that you're riding in because you need to get a consciousness of having to pay for getting around. And not just the kind, the time when you, well, I'm, I would pay you, but I don't have any money. You know, the, when, when you get a car, nobody cares that you don't have any money. Go hungry, get put out, you're going to pay that car note. And then after you pay the car note, the state's going to say, and you need to pay the insurance. So you need to start now. You need to split that driver's income on that car. I'm just saying. Because if you're a freeloader, freeloaders always go broke. Because you're always freeloading. You're not. You're, you don't have it in your mind to pay your way. You don't have it in your mind to find out how to make things happen. You don't have it in your mind. It is not in your psyche. You cannot create an economy. You can't create a wage. And if you can't create a wage, you can't be a prophet. Because the job of a prophet is not only to create your wage, but to create wages for others. I'm just saying. You can't, if you can't create a wage for yourself, then why would somebody come and ask you to pray? Your prayer is not helping you. Why would they ask for your counsel? Your counsel is not enlightening you. Wow. So a woman's, going, a woman's husband is a prophet. He dies, leaves her with two sons, and no money. But he must have been a very good prophet because God sent the highest prophet in the land to her to keep her from being evicted and starving and sold into slavery for her debt. God sent that. So when you think about it, he sent the, so half of the prophets we got, he can't send them. They all they can do to pay for their own needs. So he goes there, and in his being, like Jesus feeding the thousands, in his being, he is saying, now listen, this oil is going to flow to the, to the family. Folks. Woman can't have a kid. I'm trying to talk to you about true prophet power. 
can't have a kid. Then ask him for a kid. The witch was scared to ask him. Prophet come in and say, you know, you've been really good to me. I'm, I'm, remember instrumentality. I'm loaded with stuff for the people of God. I'm going to give you a kid. She said, I didn't ask you for a kid. But he gives her a kid, and then the kid dies. He's not just loaded with life. He's also loaded to overturn death. Sovereign, apocalyptic, that's sovereign. When nobody can make a baby for you, that's sovereign. When God sends a messenger, that's a sovereign move of God. And last one, the purpose of prayer is to embody in the earth what God has provided in his realm. Well, I went to God. When I was going through, I said, now, God, I cannot be a prophet if I can't create the Lord. I can't even take care of my own stuff. He said, the prophet double portion of the first portion is for your life. Second portion is for the life of those that God sends you to serve. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't gotten your, your second portion, it's because you have not mastered the first. Mm-hmm. And you have to call it in, but you can't just call it in. You also have to work it when it shows up, because God's stuff shows up as a seed. It's up to you to make a, a garden. It's up to you to make a vineyard. Yeah. It's up to you to make a forest. I want you to hear this. I hope this was helpful to you guys. Don't forget, share, 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 and share again. Hashtag what you must hashtag. But understand, people have said gift versus office as if it can't be divided. When I come back again on another time, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to put them side by side. I almost just did because the gift is all about you. The gift is about your endowment, your ability, your will, your training, your desires, your options, your decisions, your decisions. You, 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 you. You're not an officer until an institution takes your gift and engages them in its purpose and its mission, and the reason it's existing. Hey, God bless you, Share. Don't forget the self. Without you, how am I going to get there? Because you know I'm sounding really bold. I'm taking on a lot. I need you to back me. And the number one thing that backs is finances, because Satan crunches money. If he doesn't want something to make it, he doesn't look at what he's been doing to us. He starts by crunching money. Hey, dig deep before me this week and sow the seeds, the best seeds you can have. I love you. I already give you a blessing on it. I already give you a harvest on it. We'll see you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands.